Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Salaf Lodi, and this episode is everything you wanted to know about intimacy coaching. And before I get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that this is not any type of medical advice. So if you're having any medical issues, please see your healthcare provider. And if a, if you are in the Arizona area, you can see Dr. Uzma Jafri. <laughs> And um, if you have any questions about your religion, please ask your friendly neighborhood religious leader. And this is a Muslim sex podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. And also before we wanna, before we get into this episode, I'd like for uh, the listeners and the viewers out there to leave my podcast review, please. I'd love it if you could give those five stars, that would be even better. And if you enjoy and value this podcast, uh, please leave me a review. And also I want to let you know about a retreat that I am hosting at the end of May, May 19th through the 21st. So please go on um, my link and sign up And uh, there we'll be talking about intimacy coaching. And today I have on with me uh, one of my favorite people to be on with is Dr. Uzma Jaffrey. And I will let her introduce herself and uh, and then we'll get on into the episode. So welcome, Uzma. Thank you for coming on again. And uh, for the listeners out there that uh, may not remember who you are, please um, give us a little bit of a background about yourself and uh, then we'll get going. Yeah. Um, if you didn't listen to the other episode, you should, because all of the Muslim sex podcast episodes are awesome. But I happen to be the other Muslim woman who loves talking about sex almost as much yeah. as Dr. Salafloti. So. Yeah. yeah, that's like <laughs> one of my favorite guests. <laughs> so I am uh, family medicine, geriatric medicine, and now obesity medicine certified and have been practicing for over a decade. Uh, I'm a black bag doc, which is a we think it's a dying breed or we thought it was a dying breed, but it looks like it's all coming back. So, you know, all good things come back eventually. I am, um, that's kind of my side hustle is being a doctor. My primary job is being a mom to my four kids and being very open, honest and clear and truthful to them about all things that they ask, even if it makes me super uncomfortable. And that includes a lot of sex talk. So I am happy to be back here to be doing more of the same. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. And I am so happy to have you on. So I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about intimacy coaching. So I know that a lot of people, you know, are not sure what it is. And, um, and then, so I thought, you know, I'd go ahead and come on and, and talk to you and, um, you have had some coaching yourself. So, you know, I was hoping to talk about that a little bit. And, but first, you know, I just want to, just for people that may not be sure what intimacy coaching is or sex coaching is really, it's about uh, mindset. It's about thoughts. It's about our beliefs and how our thoughts and beliefs and feelings lead to our actions and how we show up 
perhaps in and out of the bedroom. You know, we know that what's going on in the bedroom is probably not exclusive to it. So if we have a hard time discussing issues such as, you know, what we like, what we don't like, what we want in the bedroom, we're probably not having that discussion outside either. And, you know, as we know, sex is one of those taboo topics such as religion and money and all of those things. And um, I, I'm here to help destigmatize that topic and so that we can be more sex positive and talk about, you know, intimacy and sex in a very positive light. And also to let those listeners know that in Islam, you know, sex is a very uh, considered a very positive aspect of one's life. And also we know as Muslims that, you know, marriage is half the faith and there's a reason for that. And it's so that our desires can also be fulfilled in um, in a healthy um in a healthy way and something that our religion uh, promotes actually very much. And so Uzma, I'd like um, your thoughts on that and what you think about intimacy coaching. Well, I mean, I guess we could, we could talk about how I feel about it now, but when it, yeah. when I first heard about it, I thought, wow, well, that's really strange. Like there's a coach for everything. <laughs> um, and I was really skeptical because I'm like, well, you know, how is this different than therapy? And, you know, what is this going to help me with? And what are we going to talk about exactly? And how nitty gritty is it going to be? Is this, you know, when we're talking about, you know, are, are we going to go into details? Because as we know, in Islam, we're not supposed to get into our sex details in the bedroom with other people. So, you know, there was a lot of like, um, I guess, preconceived notion, a lot of thoughts, uh, preconceived notions about what this might be, what this might entail. And so, you know, I think that comes from um, with that kind of bias comes from having a lot of negative thoughts going in about sex and a lot of misunderstandings, both socially and religiously. Um, and so it was hard for me to wrap my brain around it at first, but now I'm all about intimacy coaching. Cause I'm like, I think everybody should get it. If you have issues with sex and intimacy, then you probably need to talk to somebody who's been trained to help you, um, navigate that and the thought processes, the mindset that shifts that are involved in it. Absolutely, absolutely, a hundred percent. And I think that you know what a lot of people uh, perhaps don't know is that what you know how sex positive Islam is, right? And I think that often, and I know that you and I have spoken about this before, but that um, often we don't we ourselves are the ones that hold ourselves back, right? We don't give ourselves permission. We think perhaps it's embarrassing, it's shameful, it's wrong, it's dirty, all of those negative beliefs that we may have. And that may be due to, you know, it could be the way that perhaps we were raised or in the community that we were in. And so because nobody talked about it, because it was such a taboo, that we then have internalized those values as well. And so then we find it difficult to talk about it. And, you know, we can't, sometimes we find it hard to even talk to our own family or even um, to our doctor, right? So a lot of times, you know, you go to your gynecologist's office and they have perhaps 15 minutes to see you, right? So like, you know, you're going in for like your period, your, you know, your prescription for your mammogram and, you know, 50 other things. And then, oh, by the way, you know, I'm having issues with sex, right? So, I mean, there's just no way that your gynecologist in 15 minutes can take care of all of that. 
Right. So it really, you know, behooves us to find somebody that has the time, the energy, and also the training and the education to be able to discuss those types of issues. Right. 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 And um, so I'm also wondering why you think, you know, it's so important for us to be able to discuss these issues. Well, I mean, you mentioned how hard it is to talk to even just your doctor or your friends about it. But I mean, remarkably, it's really hard to talk to your partner, the other person involved about it. So um, that's why I think it is important to get into not just the coaching, but to recognize that there is a problem and to recognize that there is help out there. And it is my responsibility to go out and get it because our religion is so sex positive and our religion puts a lot of responsibility um, for any relationships that we get into, but especially that spousal relationship. Um, you know, if anything is sick or hurt or, you know, just not doing well or not functioning properly, we need to go in and fix it. And that includes this very important, you know, aspect to that relationship, which is sex and intimacy. Right, right. Absolutely. I agree with you. So, you know, I'm just curious to find out. So how did one, how did you hear about, you know, sex intimacy coaching? And two, what made you, you know, consider it? Or, you know, did you, was there something that you wanted to work on that you, you know, felt that it might be helpful to reach out to a coach? I honestly didn't know that sex coaching was a thing until I met you. <laughs> and then I was like, what? There's there's such a thing. And I remember calling my co-host and be like, oh my God, did you know there's sex coaches now? So I knew there were sex therapists. I just never knew, you know, even in primary care, I would have to look up how to refer somebody to a sex therapist because I don't have them on like in a, a speed dial or anything like that. So I would have to find them. The last time I talked to a sex therapist was in medical school because, you know, they gave us exactly three hours of education in all things sex, including like, you know, transgender, um, LGBTQ issues, like all of that in three hours we got. So that was the, the breadth and scope of my knowledge uh, about sexual health at the time. So um, when I found you, it was kind of like, I guess the perfect storm because I was having a situation where I was unhappy and not, um, not sure who I could go to. Cause I was pretty sure it wasn't our couples therapist. Like we had done that before and it just didn't seem like the right fit for this particular issue. So I was like, well, I'll try anything at this point. Like I was willing to try anything at all. So I wanted to give, um, intimacy coaching a swing, which is why I contacted you and then got the help that I needed. Awesome. So, you know, I'm just wondering also for somebody that is on the fence about, you know, maybe seeking out help, what value do you think it brought to you? You know, were there any type of revelations or maybe, you know, aha moments that you had that you were like, oh, you know, maybe this is something that I needed and is worthwhile? Um, I think the aha moment for me was realizing upon reflection, like when getting homework from you and it's like, oh, well now the homework is you have to go talk about this to your partner. That was the hardest thing ever. <laughs> it really oh is. my <laughs> gosh. It was like, what this person that I've like lived with and slept with and like raised children with for 15 years, you want me to, to talk to them about this, you know, versus 
the soccer schedule or the school schedule or homework or whatever extracurriculars or what were, you know, vacations. Like you want me to actually talk about something that is going to make a difference, not just today, but for the rest of our relationship versus this finite period of time that we're going to have to discuss vacations and soccer schedules because guess what? The kids are going to grow up and go away. And even though I always sang the song of to everybody who was like, oh my gosh, you do date nights. Like, how do you do date nights? At the time when the kids were little, I would say, oh, it's because after the kids grow up and move away, I need to like this person. But, you know, here 15 years in and I didn't, you know, so I hadn't done the nurturing. I hadn't done that work that needed to be done to talk about and touch about other things than the rigmarole, the routine work of um, being in a partnership, being in um, a, a parenting relationship together. And so for you then to be like, okay, now you have to go like the three things that we talked about today, you have to go talk to him about. It was like, no, I don't want to. And I think that delayed a lot of that healing process because it was like so hard for me to get over. And I, I sat and I journaled about it. I could not figure out what it was except for my own ego. Right, right. And I think something that you bring up um, is very pertinent to this conversation is that it's not just about the moment, right? But it's about the future. It's about your relationship. It's about what is that going to look like, you know, 10 years down the line, right? And it's about starting that conversation. It's about breaking down those thoughts that we have around intimacy, around sex, and then seeing how, you know, are these thoughts serving me or not? And if they're not, then how can I change them so that they can serve me and so that it can cause my relationship to grow and prosper, right? Because what happens, I feel like in relationships is that one of the first things to break down when, you know, say you're not talking to your spouse or if you're angry, your spouse, is that, you know, relation, that physical intimacy that you have with them. Right. And so then when that starts to break down, then there's a lot of resentment that starts to set in in a relationship. Then there, there starts to, you know, people start to get angry and you don't really know why you're angry, but you know you're angry because of, you know, oh, they didn't take out the dishes. Well, 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 maybe it's not just the dishes that you're angry about. Right. Maybe it's something else that's underneath that's really bothering you and that the dishes are, are like a trigger. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. I also recently had a consultation with somebody that um, is experiencing vaginismus, right? right? And she told me that um, they are on the verge of divorce because that, you know, she's not able to, you know, break down the thoughts that she has regarding intimacy and physical intimacy. And now they've been married for four years. And she said she didn't realize that she had an issue because she said, oh, no, I have a child. There's no issue with this you know, and so it's been building and building and building. And now they've come to this point where, um, you know, she has to make a decision is, you know, does she want to get help? Is this something that's important to her? Or is she going to let their relationship just fall apart? Yeah. Right. And so I think that oftentimes, it's us that holds us back. Right. And it's our fear of seeking help. And it's the stigma that's in society that, you know, prevents us from seeking the help that we need. That's really all it is. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, like, for somebody that might be thinking about intimacy coaching, you know, what would you tell them? What would you recommend? 
besides do it, do it, do it. Um, I, the homework is critical, you know, because with all of the conversations that you and I had, I don't think anything would have come of it if I actually didn't do the work, if I didn't actually go and write the stuff down that you said to do, if I didn't actually go and contemplate the things that you said, and then actually execute the things that you advised me to go try, because, you know, coaching only ever works if it, you know, and I don't want to glorify what we're doing over here and compare it to like, you know, war or sports or something. But in football, when your coach tells you to go make this play, if you don't make the play, the team loses, you know? So it's kind of the same way in this relationship. Like if you don't go and physically do the work in the field, um, you're going to be stuck in that cycle of perpetual resentment and picking fights for no reason, you know, like getting angry for what seems like no reason. And like, you're confused and then angry at yourself for getting angry at something so stupid, but, you know, go back and, and that's the hard work, like sitting by yourself and like digging and finding out like, okay, what is the actual seed that started all of this? It's not sex. I'm not that petty. I'm not that superficial. And you're not, you know, but it's that critical to set up, you know, it's like, you know, I do a lot of end of life care. And at the end of life, mm -hmm. you know, there's really only the F's left, right? Like food, fear, and that's it that third one. So that's all we remember. You know, it's very limbic. Our needs are very, very simple. So if you don't satisfy those very base needs, you can't build on top of it. Um, so I encourage everybody to get willing to dig and get willing to get under the soil and get dirty and find out what the root is of your resentment, unhappiness, displeasure, dissatisfaction, um, angst, just overall, like, what's the point of anything? Because, you know, even that can be felt by other people, not just by your partner, but by the yeah. children you're raising, by the other relationships that you have. So if this critical key relationship that God himself mentions in the Quran as so critical, isn't um, fostered, isn't nurtured, isn't, um, what's the word, treated? Like, yeah. like it's a medical problem, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. it's going to just ripple out into all places, even your professional spaces. So, yes. you know, if you value all of those personal professional relationships, then this is the digging that you really have to be willing to do. It is grossly uncomfortable and painful. Um, but the good news is you don't have to share it with anybody except your coach and your partner. You know, so those right. are literally the only two people that are going to know. You're the three people in the world who are going to know that you're going through it. So you can be as private or as public as you want about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what's important to also note is that, you know, you're not alone. That person is not alone. There have been millions of women that have the same concerns, the same problems as, you know, as not only you, but, you know, other women, right, have this problem. So, where we're not able to talk about sex because it's, you know, there is such a huge stigma and also to talk about relationships and intimacy and, you know, intimacy involves not just right, the physical intimacy, but there's also the emotional intimacy that's involved in a relationship, right? So much for women is with, you know, having to do with relationships and just their mind, right? And we talk about that. We talk about how the biggest sexual organ is actually your brain. And so if your brain is not into it, if, you know, if you're always thinking about something else when you're trying to become intimate with your partner, then, you know, things in our body are not going to work the way we want them to work. 
So it's so important to reach out and get the help that, you know, that you may need so that you can thrive in your relationship. And also, you know, your family, if you're happy, then your family is also happy. And it's so important to, you know, and it's not frivolous, right? Oftentimes people think like, oh, you know, it's just, you know, one part of the relationship. It's so frivolous. I don't even need to worry about that. But it's, it's not frivolous. It's important, right? They say that, you know, sexual health is also part of like your mental health. And so it's very important to take care of that. And again, you know, for some people, it's not important. So that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But for people that it is a big part of their life, you know, it's a big part for others who find it to be a big part of who they are. You know, it's important to get help if you need help and that there's no shame in that. So I think that that's really important. Absolutely. So, Ozma, I uh, would like people to know where they can find you. I know that you started something very exciting, and I would like for you to talk a little bit about that, right? It's a direct primary care. Is that is that what it's called? Yeah, so, that's what it's called. Tell yeah. Tell a little bit about that. So for over a decade now, I've been practicing what I lovingly call black bag medicine, where I literally have a black bag and I take it to my doctors. I make uh, my patients, I make home visits to them. And most of them are over 65 years old. So I've done that solo for a decade now, which is really nice, but it's insurance based. And, you know, I would always get their families asking like, Hey, can I come to your office? Can I see you? And I'm like, my office is literally my car. Cause I come see my patients wherever they are. Um, but because enough young people have been asking through the years and in the last three years with COVID, you know, when it relapses, like you and I do great, but my old people can't sustain it and they keep dying. Um, and after that second bout, there's just like no recovery. If they make it past the first one, that second one's going to take them out. So I realized, um, in the past few months, like, okay, I probably need to expand to younger people. So I am doing it through direct primary care, which is a membership model based, um, care where you pay a low monthly fee, you have unlimited access to your doctor. Now I'm going to be telehealth um, to start just to see how much interest there is before I open up an actual office. Cause I haven't been in an office in 10 years. It's going to be so weird if I do that. Wow. But so I'm starting with telehealth uh, and offering it to 18 to 64 year olds and it's all primary care. So when you're the way I'm explaining it to people is, you know how your pee is burning on Friday night, but you have a flight to catch on Saturday morning and the doctor's like, you have to come in, but Oh, we don't have appointments until Monday for you to drop off your urine. Yeah. You don't have to do that with direct primary care. You call your doctor, you drop off your urine sample, you go to the pharmacy, you pick up your prescription for the antibiotic and you board your plane on Saturday. Look at that, you know, um, and you can communicate with your doctor via text, phone, or email. And so I just, that's the way I've practiced for the last 10 years. So I'm trying to expand that to younger people and, you know, make it the kind of situation that I need because doctors, teachers, police officers, gig workers, we're busy, you know, during working hours when doctors keep offices and when you need them is at night. And now at night, all you have is urgent cares and ERs, which even with insured people is too expensive for some of us to go to. So it's nice to have like, like literally for $60 a month is my practice and you can have unlimited access to me. So that is my new venture for 2023. And I'm super duper excited about it. That is awesome. So for those of you out there in Arizona, 
feel free to contact um, Dr. Uzma Jaffrey. Now, Uzma, tell me, are you going to get, um, you know, other state licenses as well? So yeah, I'm applying out of state as well. So uh, mostly in underserved states where, you know, there's not a lot of primary care physicians per thousands of um, potential patients. And so in those areas, when it takes you an hour to get to a doctor, you can imagine people aren't getting the care that they need. And I'm fully sure. convinced that the more touch you have with your doctor, even if it's telehealth and you're talking to your doctor once a month, even like we can forego a lot of unnecessary urgent care and ER and expensive healthcare um, for, you know, just regular people. 18 to 64 year olds are generally healthy people who only need a doctor when they need a doctor. But guess what? They also need to come talk to their doctor about things like my sex sucks, you know? And it's like, oh, I know somebody who can help you with that. And I know a couple of exercises we can do. And look, we have an hour to talk about it and not 15 minutes that have to be reported to some insurance company somewhere. We can talk about anything because that is the job of primary care to be able to identify problems that are not as simple as sex that sound frivolous like sex, but it's a huge part of the health history that I take in my 90 year olds, because guess what? They're having penetrative sex like twice a week. So it's, it's a very, very important physical ability that tells us a lot about functional capability, cognitive sure. capability, yeah. and emotional status. Awesome. And what I found, because that sex was my special project in geriatric fellowship. So it was sex and intimacy in the oldest old. Wow, and what I, what I was trying to prove. Talk about that. Yeah. What I was trying wow. to prove at the time was that the oldest old had more sex, which is why they lived that long. Now the mm -hmm. data was not conclusive about that, but what it did show was that 70 to 70 year olds were having penetrative sex at least once a week, 80 to 89 year olds, three times a week, 90 year olds, twice a week. Um, so oh, it's not a, in the penetrative impressive. sex. I mean, come mm -hmm. on, you know, <laughs> I was like, wait a minute we're a lot younger than you are. We're not doing it that much. Nice. So it broke down a lot of um, my hypotheses, but it created like a whole new set of them. Now, this study was done 10 years ago when I was still in fellowship, but I'm looking at the data again because um, here in Arizona, we have the largest database of the oldest old in the United States. So we oh, wow. study them um, and survey them every year. So this data I'm hoping has changed in the last 10 years with the baby boomers now aging in and sex yeah. we know to them is a huge deal. Um, so to study that again, I think would be really nice, but it's not something I would be able to do if I sat in a primary care office, right? This is oh, like, I have the leisure to do this kind of research yeah. and share the numbers with my patients to tell them you're not alone. You know, like yeah. this is other people in your, your peer group or your cohort who also think that this particular physical function and physical need, physical, emotional need, um, is important to us too. Or it's path, uh, it's pathologic in ours, but it's also pathologic in yours. So, oh, we're not alone. So, right, yeah, right. no, that's fantastic. I had no idea that you did that research yeah. um, as a fellow. It's such important yeah. research, and often, you know, neglected, and definitely not enough people know about it. So, I think it's so important. Um, yeah. Thank you for doing that. What you yeah. do, so that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, 
Um, I know you also have a podcast, right? That's how yeah. we met. Yes. I co-host Mommy Well Muslim podcast. Yeah. So it's M-O-M-M-Y-I-N-G, Mommy Ing While Muslim, that I co-host with Seba Hassan. We've been doing that for going on four years now this March. Awesome. Um, and so we talk about all things Muslim American because we were raised in an America that's significantly different than the ones our children are being raised in. So the Muslim experience and how that's changed um, in these just these two generations um, and the issues that affect us, particularly on this side of the hemisphere, uh, or, or in this hemisphere, um, are, are what we're talking about. And a lot of things are taboo. Uh, they are not usually discussed. Sex is one of them. February is coming up. You will be on um, in February, which we're really excited wow. about. Um, but uh, February is our fun month because that's when everybody who's too afraid to talk to their doctor to find an intimacy and sex coach or their girlfriends or their partner will come on and they'll send us um, DMs and messages throughout the year specifically about sex questions. So then we go and we hunt down experts mm. like yourself to come on and address these topics to answer a lot of these questions. But what ends up happening is it usually brings up more. So we get a slew of DMs coming um, in March, which is really fun. Very cool. Very awesome. So Excellent. So are there any parting remarks that you would like to leave our listeners with in terms of intimacy coaching? I mean, I think it's, you know, it's important to keep an open mind about all things. And I know it's hard in this age of disinformation and misinformation, um, but go to your trusted sources, trust the people with credentials, trust the people who have invested in the training to help the public. Um, and I think uh, there's a huge emotional component in sex and yeah. intimacy coaching, Absolutely. but there's just as much science. So, you know, I think you have to walk both lines and know how to walk both of those lines. It's become increasingly hard, which is why I think the work that you're doing is so important. And what you offer, particularly to the Muslim community, is so important because I don't really know where else people can go to get that one-on-one -on -one help that they need. And, you know, I don't know, I think there's even room for you to do group coaching because sometimes like there's safety in numbers and it's like, I'm not the only one, let me sit in on a group session. Um, but if you want that, ask Dr. Lodi for it, but I can't say enough about the one-on-one -on -one experience. It was really helpful yeah. in my situation. And, you know, I'm not shy to say like 45 and it's the best sex of my life now. So, you know, it's, it's possible. You're not yeah. dead. You know, when people are asking me, it's like, when I, when I take sexual health history, they're like, I'm 75. I'm like, so you're not dead. You know, like, are you happy with how much sex you're having? And if you're not, if you're truly honest with, with yourself and you answer that honestly, um, and you're not like, go get help. It's out there. It's available, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, those are some excellent words to leave our listeners with because there is help. And so, you know, people that are listening that may be, you know, thinking about, do I need it? Do I not need it? The answer is always, yes, you need it. Yeah. <laughs> and so feel free to look me up on drsalaf.com and schedule your consultation. So while we are done here and it's been real and really intimate and remember this of course is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you're having any medical issues, please speak with your friendly medical provider. And if you're in Arizona, speak with Dr. Uzma Jaffrey. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast.
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsadaf.com. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thank you.